What are the major dimensions of effective leadership? Jenny Katrin is our guest this week talking about core personal habits every leader should cultivate. It's all in episode 34 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 34 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Our guest this week is Jenny Katrin. Jenny is a leadership coach and consultant with a passion for equipping today's leaders. Recently, Outreach Magazine recognized her as one of the 30 emerging influencers reshaping church leadership today. And now, here's our conversation with Jenny Katrin. Jenny, I want to welcome you to the Church Leaders Podcast. It is so exciting to have you on the show, and I really look forward to our leadership discussion, and I think it's going to be super valuable for our readers. So great to have you here. Well, I'm thrilled to be a part of it, and I love church leaders, so it's great to be on the podcast and jump into the conversation with you, Brian. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, And you have a new book that just released called The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership, and yeah. uh, we're going to talk about that and unpack some of those themes in this conversation too, but could you give us just a quick overview of that book and what drove you to write it? Yeah, yeah. The the four dimensions, I wrote the longest title in history, probably. Um, not really, but it's long enough. It's a mouthful. The four dimensions of extraordinary leadership, the power of leading from your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, you know, Brian, you know this about me. Like, I have such a passion for uh, leadership and and being a great leader myself and then trying to help equip other leaders. And so in my personal leadership journey, you know, the short version is I spent about 10 years in the music business in Nashville, and I thought I was pursuing, you know, the corporate career and, you know, CEO track someday was my my big dream as a young leader. And then God led me into ministry, and I've been in ministry about 10 or 11 years now. And in both environments, just recognized how important it is for um, leaders to lead well. And, and so as I would, you know, grow and my leadership would expand, trying to figure out how to, I had a lot of natural intuitive instincts on leadership, but I tried to just start putting a framework around them because I realized I was having trouble helping teach others some of the leadership things that were a little more just intuitive for me. And so uh, I played with some different frameworks over the years and I kind of landed on this idea of, okay, great leaders to, need to be great relational leaders. They need to be great spiritual leaders. They need to be strategic leaders and they need to be visionary leaders. And that was the framework for the book. So I was trying to put that all together and, and you know, kind of come up with this formula, so to speak, for leadership. And I just didn't have, like, I kept thinking, okay, something's missing, something's missing. And I really was just praying, going, God, please help me you know, kind of bring this all together. And, and it ended up, you know, that it was right there in the great commandment, you know, kind of one of those foundational elements totally. of our faith. Yeah. That, you know, in, in Mark, where Jesus says, love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the implication of that verse is that he's saying, love God with all of who we are, our total being. And that was when the light bulb went on for me. And I said, that, that is what we need to bring to leadership. Because so many times I would see, particularly for myself, I'm very strategic. So I would lead a lot from the mind side of the equation, the very strategic, the managerial, the planning side. But I would um, often lead with very little heart, you know, and so I would be guilty of being that leader who was kind of the taskmaster and wasn't paying attention to how people were uh, emotionally feeling, reacting, just what was going on with them as individuals. So 
anyway, that's the framework for the book is saying that I think extraordinary leadership is found right there in the great commandment. And we have these four dimensions, heart, soul, mind, and strength that give us a framework for what great leadership can look like. Excellent. Fantastic. And we'll put a link in the show notes uh, to that book as well. So other leaders can check that out and dig a little deeper with you too. So let me ask you this. Like, I think there's probably, I know the seasons we come upon it, there's a lot of, of leaders who they've gotten past the fall push for ministry. They're moving into the holidays and there's kind of a, you know, a big push for that. And some of them are probably feeling stuck in their leadership. Um, if someone like, you know, is listening right now and feeling like they just can't get out of this phase, I kind of feel like they're in a rut. What would you say to them to encourage them to, to move forward? How would you help them get out of that? Yeah. And, you know, every one of us have been there, right? You know, I think so many times, you know, uh, you know, just the ups and downs of leadership and you do feel like you've kind of gotten stuck. I think it's Mark Batterson who, and he may not be the only person that said this, but I read this in one of his books where he said, um, change of place plus change of pace equals change of perspective. And, you know, I think sometimes a rut is just, I've been in the same place trying to go the same speed for too long. And it, you know, like I need to just kind of shake things up. And so oftentimes that is a, uh, you know, is there um, an opportunity where I can grow and learn? Is there a leader that I could reach out to and go to coffee or to lunch? Or is there a book I can read? Is there, um, what is it that I could kind of just, that could become a catalyst in my leadership development that would just kind of change the trajectory a little bit? It doesn't have to be radical, but it can, you know, sometimes it's just going, okay, I'm in a routine and the routine's not working anymore. So what can I do to change that up? And, you know, I've done things throughout the years of, um, you know, I would do a book study with a friend and we'd go to lunch every, one of my dearest friends, we would go to lunch every Friday uh, every Friday and we would study a leadership book together. And like, I have some of the richest like moments of my leadership development happened over that, over chips and salsa and a lunch date with a friend. Uh, yeah. So it can be simple things like that, but it's just going and, and, and I think other people is really important to this too. Like I'm a studier, so I do enjoy reading and studying and listening to podcasts and, you know, doing all of those things, but also learning with other people, I think is really valuable. So whether it's one person, maybe it's a group, maybe you need to start a leadership book study at your, you know, in your church or with, you know, some of your friends, but just looking for a different way to engage leadership content and kind of stimulate learning in a different way. Oh, that's great. And and let me ask you this too. I know that we obviously as, as site church leaders talk a lot about leadership and yeah. um, so what would you say would be the difference between maybe an average leader and an extraordinary leader? I know that yeah, we're talking about the four dimensions of your book, but what would you, how yeah. would you describe that kind of, that separation, that distinctiveness? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, there's so many pl- ways we could go with that, but I often come back to this phrase that kind of haunts me that we need to lead ourselves well to lead others better. And so I think, you know, an average or ordinary leader is just kind of going through the motions and maybe is not as self-aware as they ought to be, you know, to understand kind of how their life and their leadership and their influence is impacting the people around them. And so, uh, you know, I talk about this in the book, but it's broader than that too, to say that we need to really be aware of our own personal leadership development. And because the irony of that is that as we learn to lead ourselves better and we're more aware of you know, the places we need to grow, we're aware of, you know, our our, uh, weaknesses as a leader, we're aware of our strengths as a leader. We actually are better equipped to actually lead and serve and love others better when we have a better awareness of, of just 
of where we are. And I think in, I, this was true for me for a number of years as I was so focused on everything I was doing in trying to lead others that I wasn't paying attention to some of the things that I needed to be growing in and developing personally as a leader. And then my, my health as a leader becomes a natural overflow that leads to better leadership of the people around me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes excellent sense. I think it's a great point. And, and I've spoken to many leaders who have talked about that too, about having that kind of relationship with others that is really vulnerable to at least having a few around you that will yeah. be really honest with where you are. Because I think, like you said, there there's a self-awareness maybe that probably all of us are lacking to a degree, um, some of sure. us more than others. But having somebody around us that would say, hey, this is what I feel about your lead. This is how I feel like it's going. Or this is these are some toxic directions. And let me call you out on those. And I think that is so yeah. critical. It's like a gift to our leadership that if we don't have that, it's really difficult to, to progress. It is. And, you know, and leadership by its nature can start becoming lonely. The, the more leadership opportunities you have, the more influence you have, the more people don't feel like they can be that honest with you. And so, I mean, this is part of that, that self-awareness and self-development as a leader is to say, I have to actively go seek people and give them permission to say the hard things. And, and that's, that is, it's extraordinarily vulnerable, but man, I mean, we've all seen it. We've seen leaders who have, you know, had great um, positions of influence, but they didn't have people speaking truth. And, you know, before too long, they're the emperor with no pants, you know, exactly. it's like, you know, you, you just, you just have to be so committed to that. And it's hard. It's like, you've got to find those people who will speak truth. And they're the people that you want to punch in the face as, and give a hug at the same time, because <laughs> exactly. you know, like it's just, uh, but it's so valuable. It's such an important part of our leadership development. No, I love that for sure. And we all want pants. That's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, so let me ask you this. I'd love for you to get maybe a little bit like share like your toughest leadership moment, maybe even something that's not in the book, something extra mm -hmm. um, that you would share, like maybe one of the toughest leadership moments in your life so far and how you handled it. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, gosh, I feel like there's a lot of them. But I think some of the toughest leadership moments have been when I have needed to make a difficult decision. And this is so true in ministry leadership. Um, I've had to make a difficult decision about, uh, you know, somebody that was a part of my team who was also a close friend. So for most of us in ministry leadership, you know, our relationships are so interwoven. You know, when we're in, when we're in church leadership, um, you know, it's our community, it's our, it's where we worship. It's, you know, hopefully you are friends with a number of the people that you work with on a day in day basis. And that's one of the joys and the beauties of, I think, ministry leadership. But there also come those days where you have to make a hard decision about, you know, maybe, you know, so I'll get more specific. There was a, a season at, um, this was, back when I was at Crosspoint in Nashville. And, you know, there was a person in a role that the, the role in that individual and their strengths were no longer matching up well. Hmm. And this was somebody that I dearly loved. We were good friends. And having to make the decision as a leader to say, you know what, I don't think this role is the best fit for you. And to be able to walk through that in a way that still honors and respects them and loves them, but is also making a decision that's right and healthy for the church. Because that's the tension that we sit in in ministry leadership seats is that oftentimes we can make, um, you know, there, a ch you know, there might need to be a, a, a staffing change or something within the team. And because that's what's best for the ministry and the trajectory of the church and the health of the church and the growth. 
but that personal relationship, you know, is so important that we might sacrifice making that this, you know, really we're sacrificing the hundreds of people that are impacted by somebody being in the wrong seat. You know, we think you see this one individual in front of you and you think, oh, I don't want to hurt, disappoint them. Well, you might be hurting and disappointing, you know, the, you know, hundreds of ministry volunteers and in congregants because you're letting somebody stay in a seat that really isn't the best fit for them. And so the people decisions like that are always the toughest leadership moments and decisions for me because, I mean, you, you, you wouldn't have a heart if those didn't sure. just grieve you some moments when you have to make them. But, but the important thing is, is how you lead through those because there, there's a way to do that that's honoring, respectful, um, even if you disagree you know, because most of the time when you have to make a difficult call like that, you're going to disagree about it. There's going to be something you don't see eye to eye on, but there's still a way to do that that's God honoring and respectful. And so that I might be going down a rabbit trail, um, Brian, but that that to me is is probably some of the most difficult leadership moments. Excellent. And did that story, uh, could you give us just a little description of how that story ended? Maybe a little update as well, too. And I know you're being sensitive to the person involved, so we want to be careful as well. But love to hear how that kind of wrapped up for you as well. Exactly. And, I, and I'm you know, purposely keeping it relatively vague because it's not the specifics aren't as important as just the heart of it. But in that particular case, you know, when, when we parted, we still parted a little awkwardly in that, um, you know, it was just because it, it you know, it was we just disagreed. You know, we had to kind of make, come to a conclusion that, you know, we didn't totally both agree on the same result. But since then over time, you know, what, what the beauty of it was that particular employee went on to a role that has been a great fit for them. They're thriving, they're doing great. And so in time we've kind of come back and and been able to kind of like, I want, I'm going to say repair, but maybe repair is the right word. Um, the relationship, you know, to say, you know, as time and, and God's plan just unveils itself, you know, we both could see in hindsight that that was the right decision. It was the right thing for the moment. And you see how God kind of plays it out down the road. And so that's the thing that's been comforting to me in those moments where I've had to make those tough decisions, particularly staffing related. If I am... Um, and not that I do this right all the time, because there have been certainly plenty of them that I have not handled well. But if I am doing my best to prayerfully make those decisions and discerning God's leadership and direction, even though it might be a tough um, decision to make, if I can trust that God also has a plan for that individual and has a plan for the church, and you know, and, and vice versa. So there have been times when somebody has resigned. And I'm panicked and freaking out because they've chosen to leave, and I think they were the perfect person. Oh, yeah. for them. So it goes both ways. So I, you know, but trusting that, um, you know, that if we're prayerfully making those decisions, that God's God cares deeply for the individual, and God cares deeply about His church. And you know, my job and my responsibility is to make sure that I'm prayerfully, to the best of my ability, discerning how and when to lead through those moments. Yeah, no, and I love that. I appreciate you sharing that as well. And I do think there is an element to us being discerning in those decisions, but there is some, you know, there's some element of sacrifice as well. Sometimes that happens with relationships and that's yeah. tough. And you pray, like you said, that God kind of brings us back around and in, in, in time works through those um, to help them see the way that we, you know, God's guiding us to see at the time too. So, yeah, yeah. 
but they're they're tricky. They're difficult for sure. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, I'm sure many of our listeners right here know they might be going through a staffing situation right now that they're trying to do in a, in a wise way and discerning way, and yeah. it feels like a no win. And uh, I think that's a good good thing to know that sometimes those don't feel like a win in the situation right then. And all you can do is obey and do the right thing that you feel is is best for your church and best. Uh, the best leadership decision at the moment and trust God, you mean, with the future with that too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So let me switch. I want to talk a little bit about kind of like the landscape of church leadership right now in the church, kind of a bigger picture view. And then I want to really dig down into some details of personal habits. Um, So let me just ask first, like, as you, you are well-spoken, I mean, you speak often and uh, have a lot of uh, different platforms are well-networked and see a lot that happens in the church today. I would just love to get your input about like how you feel, um, like just kind of an evaluation of the state of church leadership mm. today. How you feel, you know, what feels good about it, what feels maybe a little bit that needs to be worked on, or just an overall description of how you feel about where we're at today when it comes to church leadership. Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. Like. I think, you know, there are many places where I'm really encouraged. I think the church, you know, because of technology, because of great resources, I was, I was actually working on a, 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 an article and um, just marveling at the, just how significant it is that churches actually network together. You know, so in the article, I was kind of making the comparison of in my music business days, you know, I didn't network with another record label because that was taboo. We could share trade secrets. That's terrible. But in the church, and we don't all always embrace this to that degree, but we, many of us do, is that we can actually network and learn from one another. And I can, you know, fly across the country and go to any church you know, around and see what they're doing and seeing how they're doing their ministry. And so many churches are generous with, hey, here's how we do our guest services. Here's how we do, you know, our small groups. Here's how we, you know, and so there, I'm seeing so much collaboration in the church right now that I just absolutely love. And I think, again, you know, from a leadership perspective, that's our leaders learning the art of generosity, of just generously serving and supporting the global church, you know? Um, and so I love that part. Definitely. Um, I think that, you know, we, I think particularly for us in the American church, we're in a really unique um, season because uh, our culture is becoming more and more post-Christian. And without going on to a political side of it, I think it's just important for us to recognize that we as a church, the culture is just becoming more and more post-Christian. And, you know, and I've had the opportunity to see a little bit of what's going on with the church around the world and particularly like the church, the European church. And they've kind of gone before us a little bit in having to deal with a culture that, you know, is really not as rooted in uh, Christianity as, you know, we have been previously. And so I think we're in a really important era for church leaders in recognizing that, you know, our ability to lead well in um, in our culture right now is really important. And so um, I think there are days that I get really hopeful about that. And then there are days that I wonder if we quite are aware and we see the opportunities for us to be a great leader, great leaders and, and representing the church of Jesus well yeah. uh, right now. And so I think we're actually at a very critical moment as leaders in the church of really understanding what it means to live out our faith. In fact, when I moved from Nashville to the San Francisco Bay Area, um, you know, Nashville, we're kind of in the heart of the Bible Belt, and it was still pretty culturally uh, cool, if you will, to go to church. Yeah. 
And when I moved out to the Bay Area, the Bay Area, different statistics say it's 2 to 4% church. So incredibly unchurched compared to, you know, the, the South. And uh, that was really eye-opening to me. And one of the things that I loved about the people when I moved out here was that the people who are churchgoers, the people who are committed Christians, they are deeply committed Christians because it's not, it, it would be, it's so countercultural to be a, church, a person of faith here in the Bay Area that if you're going to be a church-going person, if you're going to be a, a person who chooses to follow Jesus, like that is, it is a significant choice. Like you are making a, a statement, you know, in a, in a culture yeah. that is so less churched. And so it was really refreshing to me as a church leader to come to a place where people were just much more black and white about their faith as far as are they a believer or are they not a believer? And they didn't just casually attend church. They attended church because they deeply believe, you know, it, what they believe. So that has been refreshing. And I think more of our country is going to experience that as well. And uh, I think there's a really great opportunity for us as church leaders to lead in this season. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think the the opportunity is a great word for it. I think we don't have to look farther than or further than the the news. You I mean over week the weekends and during the day, they just see time and time again. You I mean church leaders, um, some of them behaving wisely, some of them behaving badly. And I think we're just in that tension point of wrestling with how to talk about certain issues and move yeah. forward and speak out of a a gospel-centered, you know, I mean, Christ-centered language um, that doesn't push people away from that, but uh, but yeah. also holds on the, to the truth. So I think that, yeah, it'll be really interesting, I think, in the next uh, five to ten years, if, if the Lord doesn't come back before then, I mean, yeah. what to see what the church kind of transforms into. And um, fascinating. So I appreciate yeah. that evaluation for sure. Um, so let me jump into, uh, make that quick transition to your own, to leadership habits. And as we're talking about leadership, and talking about maybe even routines, could you name maybe two or three habits you feel like are just like core to an extraordinary leader, that these habits are, are ones that would really help them excel, be efficient, and be on that trajectory of healthy, progressing leadership? Yeah, yeah. I think learning with others is really valuable. So, you know, we referenced this a little bit earlier too, but whether it's another person that you just like to talk all things leadership with and you're, they're just a great sounding board, they know you well, you know, there's just that good give and take of leadership observations of one another's life, or maybe it's a book club or a small group that you get to do that in. Um, so I think that's important. So I think conversation with other leaders is really good because it you just gives you a place to kind of flesh out ideas and get other people to give you feedback on what they're seeing or, or, and observing in your leadership. Um, reading, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, uh, leaders are readers. I think that might be a John Maxwellism, yeah. but, um, you know, I think that just making time, because we, we don't have time for it. Our lives are insanely packed. So find a place in your schedule to just create the discipline of reading regularly and learning. And I really enjoy reading biographies of leaders, you know, throughout history. I think there's so much to be observed by watching people's lives. You know, there also are, you know, and I'll go back through, um, like right now I'm reading in the Old Testament. And, you know, sometimes if you go back through the Old Testament or old or new, but you read it through the lens of a leadership eye, that can be fascinating, you know, because there's so much we can take out of scripture and, you know, you know, obviously, but when you, when you read through it with a leadership lens of trying to look for the leadership examples, uh, there's just so much richness that kind of comes to the surface in that. Um, so I, I just think reading scripture and otherwise is really, really valuable. 
and then you just try to figure out how do you multitask well. So when I'm exercising or running, you know, I've got a podcast on, you know, so, um, and there are so many, you know, obviously church leaders podcast is really, really right. Right. (laughs) Um, and, but then there are, you know, there's a number of other ones too. And even, you know, so lots of great stuff happening in the church space and leadership, but also I'll listen, you know, here or there to other, you know, not necessarily faith-based stuff, but just kind of hear what culture's talking about in leadership as well. And, you know, just have my ear kind of tuned to that. So those would be some of the practices that I probably employ the most um, regularly, but anywhere where you're learning and you're absorbing and you're processing leadership is going to be really valuable. Those are great. No, for sure. And I appreciate you sharing that as well. So I, I just have like kind of three rapid fire questions that you don't have to spend a lot of time on. But uh, for one, I'd love to hear just a quick description of your morning routine. I think I'm always mm-hmm. fascinated by different leaders and kind of the way they set up their morning for productivity. So if you could give us a quick glance of your kind of when you wake up and to when you get going, what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so I'm one of those people that I'm the sharpest in the morning. So I want to try to cram everything into the morning, which is not (laughs) um, always possible. But um, I typically will start the morning somewhere between 530 and 6 a.m. And I come down, make a cup of tea. I'm a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker. Make a nice cup of tea and pull out, um, you know, whatever I'm reading scripture-wise and devotions. I, I do like to absorb first thing in the morning. So I will typically do that for about 30 to 45 minutes. I then will usually check my email because I'm on the West Coast, the, the you know, Central and East Coast are already like, sure. you know, cranking. So I'll usually check in, see what's going on, respond to anything that's urgent. Then I usually will work out. So whether it's um, a run or um, I have an injured knee right now, so I am, you know, oh, trying bummer. to do everything but running. So, um, but that's my typical routine, then shower and get going for the rest of the day. Great, great stuff. So, if there was a book that you would say you gift the most to other people, what, it doesn't have to be a leadership book, but what, what book do you give away the most? Yeah. Okay. So there's probably, actually, this one's probably the one I do the most is Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. Excellent. Um, it, it is all, one of my all-time favorites. Um, so I gift that one probably the most. Fantastic. And that's new to me. So if that's new, to there you, to you, that'd be great to pick it up. You will love it. It's a few years old. Um, but it is, it's a, it's just a fantastic book. Excellent. So last question would be just to help us get to know you a little bit better. If we picked up your phone right now or your iPod, what would be the first song or album that you would have playing? What's mm. on repeat right now? On repeat right now is the new, the newest Hill song. And I always forget their titles, but it would be the newest Hill song record is the one that's most current on repeat. And then, okay, because it's Christmas season, I don't know if this is airing before Christmas, but um, uh, Mariah Carey's Christmas album. Oh, classic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that tells you a lot about my personality. That's um, awesome. So those two are at the top of the list right now. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks again to Jenny Katrin for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes, and consider sending this episode to someone you know who might be blessed by its message. Make sure to download the show notes for this episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. The show notes always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guests' top content on churchleaders.com. The Church Leaders Podcast is taking a break to celebrate Christmas with our families, but we encourage you to go back and take time to listen to some of our top episodes from 2015. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in 2016. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. 
for articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day. Visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.